Hello and welcome to Someone Should Make This, a show where we do the hard part of coming up with great video game ideas and offer them up to the world. My name is Danish. I'm Jeff. And I'm Matt, Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter. Yeah, it's a game. <laughs> it's, it's a it's, movie. It's so many things. And a board game, I guess. It right? is now a board game. So uh, the folks at Steamforged Games, who uh, brought us such games as Dark Souls, the board game, Bloodborne, the board game, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Forbidden West, the board game. I Okay, can we pause? I had no idea Horizon Zero Dawn was a board game. Is I that out? Does that exist? I think there's also a Resident Evil one in there, too. Like I knew about that one. It's, in fact, I played a Resident Evil deck building game, which was actually pretty fun. How'd that work? What uh, do you? Yeah, what? You you build out your like loadout and shit. Uh, oh, your loadout is the cards. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Um, anyway, continue. yeah. Uh, so, Monster Hunter board game launched this week on Kickstarter, which um, is is fun. And I guess they met their funding goal in ten minutes. I jumped on board. I got the I got the max uh, level because I really really loved what they did with Dark Souls, the board game, as far as like the miniatures and and the the just kind of general design of it. But this one is looking fucking amazing. I am. Can I say I am very skeptical, and I and I'm, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. And Jeff, maybe you can uh, convince me otherwise. I'm very skeptical of these board game or video game board games that have miniatures, because to me it really feels like an excuse to make miniatures, and it's all about the miniatures. And who cares about the game? Yeah, I would love to is speak that, on that because is that bad though? The miniatures are eighty no, percent of the reason why I back these games. Like, I really just wanted to have an expansive library of dark souls miniatures and there's also a game that uses like tabletop ai which is just an amazing concept to me i think that is cool i, I mean i've played games with that too yeah and what if uh, we started our own kickstarter example. called let's get jeff a 3d printer and then jeff you never yes. have to back any of these ever again. i i have had a 3d printer on my wish list for a while it's one that i've seen cosplayers use uh, specifically because of the speed and consistency that it prints at and, um, you know, I, what was it, my reco a month ago now, or maybe it was only two weeks, who knows, time is still broken, of, like, doing Halloween up. So I may invest in a 3D printer between now and October. I have my costume picked out, by the way, what I'm going to work on, and it's got is some it fun electronic stuff. It's a Monster Hunter. <laughs> it's not, mon- it's Star Wars related, and this is a costume oh. I planned out a couple years ago. It's based on... I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Um, it's based on these background <laughs> characters in Rogue One. So if, uh-huh. if you remember when they're on the planet um, where all the kyber crystals get mined, they're in this marketplace and there's just tons of creatures around. Are they and robots one... or aliens? Because I'm searching for this. So I'm going to try to find it before you finish. It's a, The planet's called Jedha. J-E-D-H-A. Yes. Thank you. Um, and when they're in this marketplace, there's all these background characters and the design of Star Wars is always a lot of fun because of the background characters. But there's a group of two or three of these, you know, aliens who are in head to toe red robes and they have these cool staves or staves. Um, and I really, really, really like their design. And I bought the art book for it and they have a couple sketches in there of the process they went through. And it's got a cool helmet. And it's oh, those mostly guys fabric. The box heads. Yeah. They look like the uh, the journey. Journey. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was a big part of why I liked them because journey is a hugely important game to me and a lot of people. Um, but what I like about it too is that it's got this cool helmet, and then most of it's cloth, which means I can focus. You're gonna learn to sew on fabricating 
the helmet a lot more and on the sewing. Yeah, I've done a little bit of both uh, to moderate success on either end. But I mean, I'm, the helmet is just a shoebox. It's going to be a little more complicated than that because I have a whole electronics thing. I'm going to um, no. There's like rip- a there's like a helmet under the cloth. I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a, there's a helmet oh, I see that's that. got oh, cool. kind of a, um, like a sloping, like a diplodoc, not diplodoc. Yeah, yeah, I see that now. Thing. That's a cool helmet. It's got a slit, awesome. but it's got this large faceplate. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to embed two tweeter speakers in there. And I'm going to wire them up with a microphone and plug that into my cell phone where I have a voice changing app to give me that Star Wars droid sound. And so like, that's it's cool. also kind of an electronics project in that way. Now, yeah. that's I, awesome. I did some research on some of these, uh, the aliens in 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 uh, uh rogue one and i think we should do a group cosplay effort where jeff is the journey thing uh mm-hmm. danish i want you to look these up you should you okay. should you should be more off m-o-r-o-f-f and i'm gonna be okay. we t-f-c-u-b <laughs> i guess oh danish would be the Wait. perfect more off this is so good he's like a wampa looking guy yeah, yeah with he's a, got a really gun <laughs> Hell yeah. But he's got Fucking like a cool Moroff. like Bane mask where you could do some he fun stuff in there. A Bane mask and a minigun. This is the least Star Wars thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Matt, I mean, what was yours again? I gotta look this up. Uh, Weetief Sayubi. It's W-E-E-T-E-E-F. That's gotta be enough. Oh, it, it auto-filled okay. it for me. C-U-B. All right. <laughs> oh, that oh guy. this guy is crazy looking. <laughs> are you... Are, I mean, how are you? Is he like three feet tall? Or? Yeah, I'll just <laughs> yeah, walk on my a, knees. He's a tiny boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love him. That's awesome, Jeff. I, I actually do really appreciate the multifaceted uh, cosplay things with electronics and mm-hmm. the cloth. Like, that's that's very, very cool. That's what, a great, I, uh, great choice, too. Yeah, it's got a little bit of everything. Here's a question. Do you go out to, like, um, costume contest type things? Like, you, you spend all this time doing this awesome costume... Like, if you just go to a costume party, that's cool. But, like, do you do anything more than that? That's the great irony of being an introverted cosplayer is that (laughs) I have never done anything with any of the costumes I've made. I've actually thrown away a lot of pieces because, in retrospect, like the Destiny costume, I'm like, this is horrible. Like, I did a couple things well, but overall this is bad, so I'm throwing it out. Um, And I'd like to have something that I could Why don't you, like, wear it to PAX in 2022? That's what Kelsey did. Remember her? Yeah, Kelsey that was did awesome. the Kelsey did the hunter costume. I remember and she went that pretty one. minimal with with it, but the big like centerpiece. And I, I think that's what she did right. Is she had a she had a centerpiece that kind of tied the whole thing together, mm-hmm. and it was the cape which had the Taken King logo on the back of it. And we've spent a lot of time like shredding it up and weathering. I remember it and stuff. that. That was amazing. And she she got tons of attention. She was even on like a like a bungee put together like a like a reel of all the costumes and stuff. And she got a nice like front and center little like one second clip in that. It was really cool. Um. So, okay, going back to the uh, board game thing. So have you played the Dark Souls game, and how is the game, the board game itself? I've opened up the Dark Souls board game, but I have not played it. I read through the rules, and it mechanically it sounds great, but I, I have not had somebody to play it with. That's the yeah. board game curse, right, <laughs> is, is right. finding people to play with, especially Especially during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just one of those ironic things about, that. that's my whole point about these uh, video game kickstarter board games it just it just seems so counterintuitive like you've admitted and i i totally anticipated that was the thing is like people like the miniatures just fucking make the miniatures yeah um he, uh, no danish you're miss you're missing a key component to that though people yeah. want the miniatures but they also need an excuse to buy miniatures that isn't buying miniatures mm-hmm. 
You know I what I mean? I mean, I, I, that's I part think of you're probably right, but that doesn't make sense to me because people buy really stupid looking Funkos. Oh, I we do. We but hide here's, them. Here's the other, them. the other end of it <laughs> is that buying a board game with miniatures is a little bit cheaper if, because it feels they're functional. unfinished. And like you can uh. hand paint them or you can leave them raw. And so you actually get a lot more minis for yeah. the price. Plus you have this whole other game you could play with it. Uh, all right. I'm <laughs> Fair excited. Enough. It looks it looks really good. I mean, I I've been um, I don't think I will because I heard the game is not great. But there's a Mega Man board game which looks looks awesome. But yeah, I can't I can't justify it if if the game's actually imagine the minis you'd get with a Danish. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the problem. Mini Mega Man. Mini. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on. We're, we have a we're gonna do a couple of quick things this episode. Uh, a little little grab bag. Um, we want to talk about video game movies. Why don't they make those a, anymore? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just every single one has been a home run. I don't understand why. They don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and then we'll do a, <laughs> we'll do a mini pitch uh, that Jeff's got something. So uh, to start off, we were, we were having a discussion about like I just kind of threw it out there, like, hey, what video game or yeah what video games would you like to be a movie and me and jeff had completely different approaches to it which i thought that was kind of interesting worth talking about and i said uh, i didn't care and then you guys started talking about your approaches and now i kind of care a little bit <laughs> so so jeff well, let's let's start with you like what what were the games that you thought of first of all and like how would you adapt them yeah um and just to preface uh my approach to this was finding a cool bit of story or lore in a video game, some, some sort of dressing that I could use to drape a film across. And so um, obviously the first franchise I thought about was Destiny, uh, specifically this one story that takes place um, like hundreds of years before you start playing in the game as, as, as a guardian. Um, in this time period, there is a uh, kind of old West uh, aura to the world where things are lawless and there's these like roving warlords who have been blessed with the light of the traveler. So this is like a proto guardian thing. And there's this one small Western town where people are living, um, you know, peacefully or whatever. And all of a sudden this gunman comes up and this guy's name is Jaron Ward. And this guy comes up and he's all badass. He's, he's a guardian. He's been blessed with the light and he kind of ingratiates himself to the town. He frees them from their corrupt uh, mayor, essentially. Um, and he's carrying this special gun called the Last Word. And hopefully everybody's destiny years just picked up because this is an important gun. Um, oh, nobody course- knows what you're talking about, Jeff. <laughs> I barely I, I think, I, I mean, I've already zoned out. <laughs> anyway, um, events, uh, you know, move forward. And there's this other opposing guardian named Dregden Yor who has this gun called Thorn. And can you can you uh, describe the story without any without using any proper nouns? Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. the names are the worst part of Destiny. It, it's right. so no, that's that's fair. true. Let me let me start over um, partially. So there's this Western it's not, town, Jeff. It's not your fault. I know it's not did. my fault, but I am trying to get across like how cool this is. Um, well, the problem is that you it, people are trying to catch up with the names and not hearing what you're saying. No, I I, I get that. So um, Wild West, small town, yeah. lone gunman comes in. And yeah. he uh, frees this small town from their corrupt mayor. Good guy Meanwhile, with a good gun. Good guy with a good gun. Meanwhile, there's this bad guy, the dark horse, the the writer in black, right? And he's yeah. he's hanging out, and he has figured out 
uh, in his maybe hubris or maybe his corruption that good and bad are kind of the same thing. And this corrupts him and it corrupts his gun. And so you have bad the good guy, guy with the good bad gun, gun, bad guy with the bad gun, and they meet and the bad guy wins. But the story's not over because the good guy has this little little kid friend. He's got this little sidekick <laughs> who's running around with him. And this little sidekick inherits uh, the, the good guy with the good gun's gun and his special uh-huh. powers. And so years later, the bad guy with the bad gun meets the protege with the good gun. And the good guy comes out on top. But maybe not because the bad guy with the bad gun is corrupt and his death <laughs> this is getting insane and his death is is a harbinger of of more evil to come anyway this is a are really the gu- fun are the story guns sentient uh, no is. that's actually a really good question for the destiny universe in that <laughs> it's very uh wishy-washy on whether because there there are literally guns in destiny that have like ai on board them that presumably uh, uh I don't like in the lore they say that it'll talk to you and shit, but it doesn't ever in the right. game, obviously. Um, but then there's also like this whole thing of like the travelers infused guns with powers and shit, and that's basically their excuse for why guns have different perks and things like that. Mm-hmm, um, right. But I, I think I think the thing that makes this this a cool idea is you have this weird space western situation uh, with really like kind of classical western roots in that mm-hmm. it's like you know, gunman versus gunman, you know, showdown in the street type situation with this heavily sci-fi fantasy backdrop in a way that I don't think I've ever really seen. Like you could, you could look at like, uh, um, Firefly, uh, Firefly, or something, or something. and, yeah. and Firefly, or even the Dark Tower has elements that are similar. It's, it's Firefly plus Dark Tower, like a hundred percent. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, okay. That's actually, that sounds cool. Um, do you think this is a very abstract question? Do you think that uh, they announce a Destiny movie and nobody really knows what it is? And, like everyone's theorizing, like, oh, what's it going to be about? Is it going to be about this or that? And they fans or whoever sees it, would they be excited about this story? Like, is I think you are right in choosing this story because it's very like applicable and like broad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think it would satisfy fans? Not only do I think it would satisfy fans, but I think you could market this in a way where you could almost like have it be a destiny movie as a little bit of surprise in the marketing. Like maybe you can, I love when movies do that and I don't, yeah, I, it's such a hard sell. It, yeah. It's a hard sell, but I think you could do it smart. I think you could do it like this. You set up the Western, like the whole classic, like high noon showdown thing. It happens like three different times in the storyline. And so you focus on the first and second one, which is when the good guy with the good gun first comes to the town. And then when the good guy and the bad guy first square off, I think if you focus the marketing on those two moments and then like right at the end of the trailer, you have like a little beep, 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 like ghost sound. And then like you hear a ghost talk with that filter marketing. And then like, and then it's like, Oh shit. Like, I think this is this story. And then, you know, you kind of flesh it out, but I think you bring people in with a cool Western story. Has that ever been done where you make, you just like, like in this specific example, it would be like, you are just making a sci-fi Western movie. Like, and and you're acting like, at least as far as the marketing is concerned, that destiny doesn't even exist. Right. Right. But then there's like little things in there that are obviously tying it into the destiny universe. So that like. My dad could watch this movie and love it, but I'm also going to be like, oh, no, the traveler, you know, like saying all the dumb Destiny lore <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's what makes a good video game movie is that it can be self-contained yeah. and, and 
it can also still point to the franchise larger, which is why I think that video game movies should not focus on recreating the plot of a video game, which is why I focused on essentially a prequel or a backstory. Um, in fact, this isn't oh, wait, even so that. This is this is lore on like two different weapons in the first Destiny game. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. That this is this story you said is not in the game. It's in the like backstory yeah. grimoire lore. Yeah, shit. Yes, exactly. exactly. Huh. Well, it's in fact, grimoire a is a very specifically accurate word that you've chosen. Yeah, because that was grimoire amazing. is how the entire story of Destiny was told when it first came out. Yeah, no, I I, I was aware. Yeah. But but oh, okay. I think but I think that's what makes this powerful is that one like a player isn't going to go in with a ton of expectations because they haven't played through this content. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's really cool. But it's still uh, in the world. I I just uh, I like the idea that uh, and you're totally right, Matt. Like someone who doesn't know anything versus someone who doesn't know anything. They both get something out of it. But I like the idea that your dad watches it. And he's like, hell yeah, a sequel to Cowboys versus Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> he would totally do that. Where's Daniel Craig? <laughs> um, I, think that's a, I think that's a good answer. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So my uh, approach was completely different. Uh, it's, it's give a... It's, it's basically the Sonic route of like... A game that has like a vibe and like an aesthetic or like maybe a character that's that's recognizable and you're just creating a whole new story. Um, the, the problem in, with a lot of video game movies is that they choose. Okay, this is what the, this is what usually happens. If they start off with Jeff's uh, kind of premise of like, hey, this story, this video game has a cool story, like whatever. Um I can't think of any good ones. Uh, <laughs> Hitman or whatever, you know, whatever. It's like this premise or something. I forgot uh, But then that they just change existed. everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's like two of them. Um, uh, there's one with Timothy Oliphant and one with... Oh, that's uh, right. There are two uh, Hitman movies. Uh, I didn't even know. Yeah. Rupert that. Friend is the second one. Anyway, um, what they do is they take a video game that has a story and then they change it completely, satisfying nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas <laughs> Sonic was like... Hey, let's make a fun story and like nods. And anyway, so that's my thing is like, what's a game that has a cool vibe, a cool setting, a cool aesthetic, and then just like try to hit the vibe of that story and come up with something completely original. I mean, not too dissimilar from what you're saying. Like, hey, this is just a Western, mm-hmm. but we'll just theme it to Destiny. It's like, okay, yeah, let's make a a game that's, you know, whatever, based on... I don't know, Streets of Rage. <laughs> and it's like, it's a cool, like, street brawler. But, like, hey, the guy has, like, a denim jacket and he kind of looks like. I mean, I, I think Alex. you could do, like, okay, so Streets of Rage is interesting because you could basically take the Warriors and just call one person Axel and one person Blaze. And now that's a yeah. Streets of Rage movie. <laughs> Why not? That's great. I think that's the way to do it. They should absolutely do that. Um, yeah. So. I was scrambled because you, you remember you said you had this idea and I didn't want to take part. And then I, the more I was thinking about it, I decided that the way that I would want to do a video game movie is take something like Pac-Man and just yeah. make like like John Cena is Pac-Man wearing like a yellow shirt. Oh, hell yeah. And then there's just guys that's chasing them that have different colored shirts on. And that's it. It's just a crazy action movie of, with John Cena running through the streets of of the I city. love that. Just go totally off. Like you have to take something with 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 zero story, and mm-hmm. go totally off the wall. Like just so fucking far at the other end of the spectrum with it. So uh, I I, no I regret that I didn't bring this up, but um, past and hopefully future guest Ben Meckler, who came on this podcast, uh, he is like a Hollywood screenwriter, and uh, he worked on uh, uh, Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast. He told <laughs> he has famously pitched 
a Furby movie. Uh, wow. I, and uh, we it was to have him back on because I need to hear about this. Yeah, he, I don't think uh, we, sh- we shouldn't say it because it's it's his thing, right? You should. Well, I, don't I mean, I won't I, I won't get into details, but I'll just give you the basic because it's kind of what you're saying is like uh, basically <laughs> he just pitched a Mission Impossible movie with just Furby hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I will say uh, the last thing I want to say is the movie Boss Level. I think is is this very uh, fun example of not a video game as a movie, but video games as a movie. And yeah. that movie is super fun. People should check. In fact, oh, yeah. I, that's I gonna haven't... be my reco boss level this this week. I'm done. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I, I do intend to. Very similar vein. Hardcore Henry is a video oh, yeah. game. Movie yeah, that's a yes. That one's that, been on my list for a while. I really I'm, liked a lot. I'm nervous about the perspective and feeling sick when I watch it, but um, the music video that that's based on is phenomenal. Yes, it's very cool. Uh, the director, if I think I mentioned it last week, but the director of Hardcore Henry is uh, who did Nobody. So uh, really, it's, it's good. Yeah, man, Nobody was good that. too. What a good movie. Nobody was good. Uh, um, but awesome. I, just, uh, just one kind yeah. of wrapper on here. I think all three of us have kind of hit on something that Hollywood refuses to do, which is like honor the video game, but don't just remake the video game because well, Sonic, I mean, that's yeah. That's yeah Sonic is, is a great, example. I think Sonic is the best video game movie. I'll and so I think agree with that. I think, and I think that they, they did It's because of what you said, like they honor it. They don't try to do anything too stupid or crazy, but they don't, they're not super precious either. They find yeah. a good balance of all those things. Definitely. Yeah. Like, like who the fuck is that owl at the beginning of the movie? Like, oh, what? I'm I'm sure she's somebody, dude. Do you know how many weird like, uh, there's there were like two. No, there's at this point there's like five Sonic cartoons. There is comic sure, books and sure, shit. Sure. She's she's something, but nobody who only knows the video games knows right. Who she but was. also just like the concept of hey, the rings they're portals. Like okay, yeah, cool. I mean, Kinda it works. checks out with the game. Yeah, yeah. Why not? And it, it's uh, it's a great excuse for Sonic to not want to lose the rings. Like can't lose the rings. Gotta get those rings. Yeah, gotta go fast. You gotta go fast. <laughs> uh, gotta go fast. Awesome. Well, let's move on to the pitches. Uh, Jeff, you got something that's kind of interesting. I, I'm uh, me when you kind of first gave us the sentence uh, pitch on it. Me and Matt were skeptical, but maybe there's a way we can address our concerns. So, what's your pitch for this week? Yeah. Um, so this is this is something that it, it is purposely loaded with problems. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and problems that only we can solve. Exactly, exactly. And so there's going to be like one or two mechanics in here that I'm excited to drill down on. Um, this is a reverse Metroidvania where you start with access to the full map and all of your abilities. And then as you play through the game, you defeat bosses and each boss takes an ability away from you until you're left with the final boss and no map to explore. And it's just you and them with base abilities, essentially. Okay. I, I like this idea because it's wacky. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I kind of, the, the challenge of it. I like the challenge of it, of like, how do you make this not horrible? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, because the, it, it works in the other direction for very specific reasons. It's because that, yeah. is, that is the obvious way to, like, making I mean, a player, starting a player off not having abilities and then slowly giving it to them is is a great way to to teach the player to use these things one at a time and also right. make the world sort of become bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on and remember things like, oh, I can shoot this open. That means I can go back and do that now. Um, yeah. But now that we're doing it in the other direction, all of those things get turned on their heads in terms of 
I start off with the ability to open every door, presumably. Mm-hmm. So is there a version of this game where my job is to go through and try to open every single door from the start so that as I'm losing these abilities going through, I it can still progress through the game? Okay, I have a, I actually do have a take on this, which may may be interesting. But before I get to that, I just like want to point out that uh, a lot of games do this where they, they show you the potential of your character at first. I mean, I think even Metroid itself did this a couple times. Yeah. Uh, and then for whatever reason, you lose them all. And so I love the, the concept of like, every, like, Jeff's playing this game. He's like fucking all powerful. And then the cutscene happens and you lose everything. And Jeff's like, hell yeah, let's make a whole game about this. <laughs> Where that cutscene yeah, lasts 20 it's, hours. It's funny because <laughs> yeah. what you're talking about works really nicely. Like, uh, I think for me, the classic example is not Metroid, but is Star Wars The Force Unleashed wherein you start playing as Darth Vader and you're essentially at 50% as powerful as you would you would get through the entire game. So you start at this level playing an iconic character in the prologue. And then as soon as the prologue's over, you're now a protege with nothing. And about halfway through the game, you're up to that same power level, but then you exceed it. And that second half of the game where you're exceeding the initial powers of your mentor feels really powerful. And, and, and it yeah. it's a, definitely a power fantasy game. Um, and yeah, I mean it's it's a classic for a reason, right? Okay, so here's my here's my take. Um, I could be wrong, but I believe Halo Three is the first game that I can think of that introduced the idea of skulls, where you make the game more difficult for yourself just for a challenge, and it, it was like this sort of interesting uh, application of difficulty, where it wasn't just oh I beat the game now let me, let me play it on hard. Okay, now let me play it on very hard, etc. Uh, this is a thing where per mission, first of all, I think you find them and you collect them. Mm-hmm. And then per mission, you can uh, attach skulls to the mission that do very, they're like debuffs. They're very specific debuffs. And that was really interesting and fun. It's like, oh, I wonder if I can do this with certain enemies one-shotting me or like certain enemies having like way more health or whatever, or me only having a pistol or whatever these variables are. So if we take that idea... And make it sort of a player chosen thing. So like essentially the game itself is just a, a regular exploration platformer, shooter, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but you have the option if you want to do a thing to a boss that loses that weapon for you. And maybe there's a, th- maybe each boss lo- like takes away a specific weapon. So like yes. which boss you fight. I think that's what you were getting at. Yeah. Um, so in a way you are choosing what you can live without. And then if you do that, it actually does open up some new area. I, I can't work around the idea that it's closing off parts of the map and you're just stuck in one place. I just don't know if there's a way around that. I think so, that works. Yeah. But if you did that with the weapons... And then each weapon you give out, get, give up, actually gets you a little bit further along this one sort of gateway to the final, like most ultimate challenge for, you know, whatever. I think that could be interesting. Yeah, it, that that is definitely what I was thinking. Um, imagine like a hub and spoke world where the hub in the center is essentially the path to the final boss. And yeah. you could you could go there. Um, but I, I love this idea that you've introduced of like, the true boss, like the secret hidden boss yeah. that you have to sacrifice in order to, to make it to. Um, but then all of the other bosses and areas are, are spokes off this hub. And so yeah. they're all in a way optional. 
Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that you would have to do this kind of player choice. Like I'm going to fight the grappling hook boss and when I kill it, I'm going to like chain it to the wall with my grappling hook. And now that grappling hook is keeping the boss there and I've lost it. The boss is defeated, but I no longer have this ability to, to, you know, grab objects through tight spaces or something. I have the solution to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, (laughs) this game, imagine like rogue legacy. I think, I think this is what you need. You need a game like rogue legacy where if you think about how long it takes to get through the game of rogue legacy, it's like, if you really know what you're doing, you can finish rogue, like one, complete loop of rogue legacy and get to the last boss in like what like less than an hour for sure right yeah. like yeah. but all of that game comes down to is you know going through the through the levels learning what the different modifiers do learning how the bosses work and doing all this stuff so what i think the way i think this should work is when you get to a boss and you defeat the boss i think you should be able to choose what you are losing out on because yeah. what 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 sort of happens there is you know, you start learning the bosses and at first you're going to get to the first boss and you're just going to lay into him with all the best shit that you have. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to lose your best shit because I, I, I that's something I didn't mention. I, th- I think whatever you're using the most, or maybe you have to choose what you use this, this part. I'm a little hazy on, um, I think whatever you use the most is what you lose when you finish the boss. So if I have this awesome cannon and I defeat the first boss with it, I lose my awesome cannon. And now I'm, I've stepped down to different things. Um, but then as I'm going through and I'm doing loop after loop fighting the first boss, the second boss, or maybe I'm doing them out of order, I'm starting to realize I don't need to use the cannon on the first boss anymore. I fought him so many times I could kill him with my eyes closed. Yeah. I'm, I'm mm. going to kill him with... Uh, you know, a couple steps down. And then the game sort of starts morphing into how well can I learn these bosses and start throwing like my weakest shit at them so that by the time I get to the last boss, I still have my awesome cannon. That's cool. And I can still use that. That is interesting. Yeah, that's really good. It's a little Mega Man like where... Yeah. uh, In Mega Man, like if if you have the metal blades, it takes three shots to kill this one guy. But... Yeah, if you get good enough, you can beat him with your regular blaster. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, I like I like that a lot because you know their moves, you know what it takes. You know, you you also know this this weapon well enough. You know, all, all those things start coming together. It's a it's a really interesting way to start forcing the player to understand the mechanics in ways that I don't think a lot of games do. Like I think a lot of games, as you get more powerful, it's like, oh, I don't need to dodge this enemy anymore because I now right. have this ability that like you know, blocks their shots or whatever. A lot of, a lot of games, yeah. as you get more powerful, they start taking over for character or for player skill. And in this way, it's like the player really has to keep honing their skill. The more, the more, this is, I play. mean, this is like, like we said, this is kind of a idea that's difficult. It, it's a, it's a hard sell, but the thing that actually makes it maybe reasonable is the fact that so many people, I guess not so many people, but people do, the the naked runs of Dark Souls right. where like they, they they have no armor they're just like punching the guy's ankles or whatever it is and <laughs> or like you know yeah the the Guitar Hero run where they're beating with the Guitar Hero controller like people are already doing this where they're challenging themselves for fun and we don't have to go to that extreme but it's that same logic of like yeah just challenge yourself see you know if you can do it you know what's also interesting about that is that run doesn't exist with this game because. The, the, this is the game. Yeah, this is the game where yeah. if you want to make the hardest version of the game, that means you're taking out the first boss with your most powerful weapon, which means the first boss is an absolute cakewalk for those types of players. Right. And 
what you're trying to do is you're trying to get to the last boss and all you have left now is like your grappling hook and you're trying to chip away at the last boss with his grappling right, hook. Right, right, right. Which, you know, there's there's no way to play this entire game with a grappling hook because as soon as you beat a boss, you lose the grappling hook. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I also like the idea that um, we could almost like lean into it. So if we know that all you have is the... like. Yes, there's a way to do it where you chip away the grappling hook. Like, like imagine it's a normal, a typical boss, and you just hit him with your grappling hook, and it takes off chip damage basically, and you have to grind him for like an hour of just chipping away at it. Um, it would be interesting if there was actually like puzzles involved too, like oh, a little taskmaster you... action in there, where if you <laughs> yeah, find the little yeah, secret yeah. ingredient, it becomes easy. Well, maybe not easy because that well, kind of I defeats mean, the whole purpose so, of I mean, the game, that's... but. You know, with with the grappling hook specifically, it would be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, like the secret kill for the boss is to, okay, boss number three, if I save my grappling hook for him, he's in this cave and there's all these loose rocks around. And so instead of attacking the boss, I can just pull rocks off the wall, kill him and not lose the grappling hook. And maybe each boss has like a gimmick where you could get to the final boss and have everything because you've cheesed every boss up until that point. Oh, so you're right. saying you get to keep it if you use the secret? Well, I, sauce I don't know. Method. Maybe it's because um, because you're like indirectly yeah. attacking the boss, so you're not technically using it. You know what I mean? Speaking speaking of grappling hooks and puzzles, uh, we can't not mention one of the greatest things ever is in Super Metroid. There's that giant bug guy that flies around, and he grabs Samus and like just like crushes her, and and that's like one of the moves. But there's these little like lights or like energy things on the sides. And if you blast it and like blast the shield off of it, it exposes the spark. And then if you wait for the bug to grab you and then grapple that sparking thing, it electrocutes the boss and kills him instantly. What? And it's the fucking that's coolest thing. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like the first time I ever saw a game do something like that. That was like <clears throat> player facing enough mm-hmm. where it was like, a logical actual thing that you're supposed to do you know yeah it was awesome i mean mega man is i guess a simple version where like oh yeah if you just use this weapon he dies instantly but this is like the the logic puzzle of this i I loved see i think that's Um, cool too because uh i think you should lose the weapon regardless of how you defeat the boss i I, i'm imagining uh contextually i'm thinking this is rogue legacy in my brain um yeah and it's like oh all the all the uh the royalty have been corrupted, but you don't want to kill them. So like this, the whole mechanic is like, you need to lock them down and you do that with, by choosing a weapon or whatever to, mm. to hold them down until you can clear the corruption. That's the game. That's the story. I'm oh sorry. yeah. And you okay. save them all. Yeah. Like, yeah you like save Sonic. them all at the end. Um, <laughs> but I, I like the scenario you just set up. Like you, you're using the grappling hook and you're just chipping away, chipping away. You're like, fuck, this is taking forever. I wonder if hitting that spark will do damage and it just disintegrates not only your grappling hook, but also the boss, like you said. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Right, Perfect. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. Although and I that, guess in that, that case you don't save them. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe those are like the two tracks, right? Because we, we've kind of talked about like you can you can suppress the boss by essentially sacrificing a weapon once their health is low enough, or you the can true destroy the boss. And like, so you have this almost like good path, bad path, and the good path is potentially harder, harder which yeah. I, I think is is an interesting oh, that's commentary true. on like how the right thing is sometimes harder than the wrong thing. Um, but then you still achieve that um that power drain over the course of the game and yeah and they give you more money at the end or something right (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, why we do good things the the, the, this is obviously going to get very complicated but i I think it's worth it is like 
uh, imagine that grappling hook puzzle, but with every single weapon for every single boss. And yeah. every single one is different. Like, right. that'd be so cool. Because, like, then it almost becomes, like, a Shadow of the Colossus type thing where... Because Shadow of the Colossus, that is what it is, except you're not sacrificing anything, and there's there's one trick to the boss. There's, like, one puzzle. Mm-hmm. But imagine if, if a Shadow of the Colossus had, like, ten solutions to each boss uh, that require sacrificing, you know, each of your ten weapons. Like, that's right. that would be awesome. I, I think I think that's sequel. that's great, um, and and the Shadow of the Colossus thing too. Like I was, I've been envisioning this as a side scroller, like Hollow Knight or Super Metroid or whatever. Yeah, but the, I think but the idea of doing this is like a three D Shadow of the Colossus where it's very boss centric and like there's not as much in between. It's it's more about the um, narrative implications of the mechanics. I think is an interesting yeah. route to go. Yeah, and I think you. I mean, you, okay. You lose because Danish, you brought up early that you don't want to, you don't want to lose the ability to open doors and stuff. And I think I think the game that we're talking about now that is far less of a, of an issue right. where it's not so much about exploring and finding upgrades and stuff and making sure you can get the correct path. It is it is more strictly about choosing which weapon you use against each boss. Yeah. yeah. So actually, it's 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 not a reverse Metroidvania. It's a reverse Mega Man. Yeah. You're right. Because you're not gaining weapons, you're losing weapons, but it doesn't really affect your traversal and right, like, right. map as much. I think that's interesting. So there's there's another element to this that um, that I wanted to throw in uh, if we got to a certain point. I think we're there, which is what if get, like sacrificing the weapon, it removes essentially an attack or, or in some cases traversal, like a grappling hook could be used for a traversal, but then something else about your character is improved, whether it's like a stat or like you actually gain maybe not an ability, but like some like element to your character or something. And that's what you need. Like that thing you gain is what you need to get through these, the secret boss gate to kill the actual final boss. I would still make it optional though. Like uh, it reminds me of shovel Knight, where you can spend money to, activate a checkpoint or you can bypass it for a challenge and you get more money if but it's like a risk reward thing i think i, I think that the risk reward is a pretty key component so i think that i like that idea but i would still make it an optional thing mm-hmm. you know what i just yeah. thought of when you said reverse mega man i was i was thinking yeah. oh yeah in mega man you you defeat the boss and it's like they give you a gun but in this case you defeat the boss the boss and it's like you give them a gun and yeah. at the end of mega man isn't there always a boss rush yeah so now the bosses, ha- you have a boss rush and they have all of your weapons. <laughs> That's good. And so That's another <laughs> strategy is like deciding what weapons you have to fight. Like, like if you have a flamethrower and like a, like a flying enemy, he's flying around with your fucking flamethrower. Oh, like, don't give the flying enemy the flamethrower. No. Oh man. That's interesting. <laughs> That's because, genius. Because then in that boss rush, when you finish that boss rush, you're back at full power, right? Cause you've defeated the boss. You've taken your weapons. Back. Oh, that's so cool. The very final one. It, oh, it's, it's like yeah. it compresses that entire it reverses the game and then in the last moment it inverts it back to normal for the, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the boss rush and the final boss that's great this was something that i had thought about as like new game plus like you play through it and rev- like losing all your powers in new game and you go to new game plus and you're gaining them all back and then like you go in the cycle back and forth and this compresses it into a single run i fucking love that yeah and there's that's like great now there's I, uh, for some reason, I'm thinking of like like achievements, like achievements that you can unlock. Where one is yeah. give all of the bosses 
the gun that makes them the hardest during the boss rush. Right, right. right? Which is like, you know, insane. And then there is give all of the bosses weapons that make them the least effective. And I'm imagining yeah. there's like, there's like a rock man who's super heavy and rolling around and he has the grappling hook and he just can't, he's too heavy. He can't even use it. He's trying to use the <laughs> oh, grappling hook. that's great. <laughs> just stuff like that would be absolutely hilarious. Oh man, there's a that's, lot of depth here. And not only that, but like, you know, thinking about 10 bosses, that's 10 factorial. I don't know maths very well, but that's yeah. a lot of combinations. And so yeah, just like inherent in the core mechanics, there's a lot of, uh, not randomization, <laughs> but but variability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is great. I mean, this is great for a lot of reasons. I, I'm just Im- very impressed that we came up with the twist on the Metroidvania formula, which is tried and true. And I still love them, but a lot of people kind of like roll their eyes now at Metroidvania just because it's been done so many times. And this is the first one I can think of that really twisted on its head in a really interesting way. So, Damn it. We did I, another good game that I can't play now. I know we're on a roll. Uh, yeah, I really hope someone should make this. I really hope someone should make this. Yeah, that's the podcast. I, I too <laughs> hope and pray and dream every night that someone should make this. Uh, before we get to our recos, don't think about it. Really quick, pitch me a Fall Guys movie. Oh, uh, th- uh all the most elite, uh. no all the most elite people uh what's what's the term uh parkour runners in the world get invited to a tournament um where uh the winner of the tournament it doesn't matter who fucking gets something yeah yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. except they they go to the tournament and they find out that they they have to wear giant bean costumes the whole time (laughs) i mean why not just make them into uh anthropomorphic beans because once again and i want to see way john more creepy C- i want to see john cena as the main character running around in a giant <laughs> bean costume well how about this uh he finds the secret like it's a curse right that this evil <laughs> grandmaster is like this sadistic dude and he like beanifies everybody but then john cena like figures out how to unbean himself and he just like tears through all these other beans and like <laughs> he's just a guy <laughs> Also, the the grandmaster says it has been gun. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. I think that I think we can't make any more episodes if someone should make this. Yeah, uh, I, I actually that. I want to pitch an, an alternate take on here. Okay, um, it's a similar thing, except a bunch of random clumsy people get teleported to this pocket universe and they're forced to compete. And the prize is that this clumsy like you know not good person can become amazing and excellent and the best person um and so all these clumsy people are are like doing these like crazy tasks um trying to vie for this crown which will imbue them with superhuman abilities but the twist is when the winner gets there it's our it's our steve rogers before transmission before his transformation he gets there he gets the crown and he doesn't change because he was already great oh he was already great on the inside yeah, very great. I thought of another version I, of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Were did you, I. I was gonna go same thing as what Jeff said, but Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I was I was gonna say you get all the all the comedians and stuff that that you know of like 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 Pat Oswalt and like all these people yeah. who who are obviously not in that sort of shape and Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, uh, yeah, Pat right. Oswalt, sure. you know Danny DeVito, and <laughs> you, you say. You imbue them with the power of amazing parkour, but their bodies don't change, their muscles don't change. They just Fuck know yeah. they know what to do, but they're they haven't like 
they haven't ever practiced it, so they're still super clumsy and, and I like shitty that. the whole time. Doing it with comedians is good. John Cena's still in it though because he's hilarious. <laughs> what if he's the grandmaster? John Cena's the grandmaster. I know. I like that John Cena's just in the fucking tournament for no reason, mm-hmm. and Danny DeVito has to beat him with with. His fucking heart, you know, like just his, his power of will. Fuck, oh, man. And this it's is, the, it's this the is an, I want to watch this tonight. This is we so good. It's the secret money. sequel to Twins. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's like the, the split, like, ending mic drop where it's like, it was Twins the whole time. <laughs> I don't know how you work that scene in, but if whoever can do it is a genius. Especially since it's Cena instead of Schwarzenegger this time. Well, I'm sorry I ruined this episode with that fuck. <laughs> That no, it's uh, so we, had, good. we had such a good thing going until um, awesome. All right, let's move on to our recos. Uh, I guess Matt, do you have is boss level your reco? Yeah, boss level my reco. It? It's it's great. It's just a, it's a total B movie. It stars, yeah. um, you know, I I Frank I, Grillo. Yeah, Frank Grillo. Um, he's he's stuck in a Groundhog's Day time loop situation. Except there's a bunch of assassins out to kill him, so it's kind of an action movie, but it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Um, Actually, you know, at times it, the movie actually has a lot more heart than you might expect at times. Um, it's a much more well-meaning movie than I think you might expect. Um, it's just like really fun, really self-aware. It's it's the best take. I mean, it's called boss level. In in the movie, he goes, it's, cool. it's like I'm playing a video game on a level I can't beat. It's like an actual <laughs> line from the movie. Um, <laughs> and and Frank Grillo is uh, Crossbones in the MCU, right? Is it Crossbones? I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but yeah just, he, just so I have the right person in my head, yeah. Yeah, he's like he's like a stuntman and a martial artist, and he's been yeah. in a bunch of movies. He's always one of those side characters. It's it's great to see. And him he's like fifty five. Like yeah, and is he really fucking ripped? That's yeah. insane. He's, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, it's just fun. Uh, it's not like you know. It, I'm not I'm not talking about like curing diseases here. Just go watch Boss Level. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Matt once again sneaking in boredom. first on Recos. <laughs> uh, Jeff, what do you got? Uh, um, okay, let's see here. Re-reco! Dave on Hulu. Um, I think, Danish, you may have recommended this previously, but... It we, was a, yeah, it was probably a while. It was like pre-pandemic, probably. So this... Oh, I, th- I think this movie just came out last year. Um, movie. Or not movie, this show. Uh, Ten episodes on Hulu. It's called Dave. It's about this, you know, neurotic, insecure Jewish guy um, who believes himself to be the greatest rapper on earth. Um, and it's kind of his journey. I I wasn't completely sold on this in the first episode, but I was genuinely surprised and impressed with the level of sweetness and tenderness that this show has yes. for its characters. Um, and not only that, but Lil Dicky, uh, Dave's rap name, is fucking real and he's on YouTube. And it's kind of great. Like, yeah. imagine if Eminem wrote songs like Lonely Island uh, and it's That's kind good. of what you get. That's a good description. Yeah. Um, he's um, very talented. He did, he's got insane flow. He did some stuff with uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, Maddie Matheson. I think he did a couple. I think he did a couple episodes with him, um, and it was also very funny. Yeah. The uh, the the way that I always describe it is because the the humor of the show is very sort of like uncomfortable situations yes. sort of thing. So like imagine curb your enthusiasm. But what if Larry David got into trouble because he was like really nice and trying to do the right thing all the time? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think, Dave I think on Hulu good, yeah. is really good. Uh, actually, just real quick. You said you weren't sold after the first episode. 
the ending of the first episode is amazing. I'm yeah, surprised and that didn't sell you. That's that's what kept me. I, I should have okay. rephrased it. I was unsure while watching the first episode right. um, because he he is a bit of a narcissist in that Larry David way, and that you know comes up again and again throughout the show that he is very self involved. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean it's the end of the first episode. If I recall shows that he can actually rap yeah. really well. Yes. And that's kind of a surprise if you don't know Lil Dicky from YouTube. And so at that point, I was just like, okay, yeah, like I thought this was going to be some dumb Larry David thinks he is, but he's not. But it's it's way more than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, also one last thing, like disclaimer. I was really turned off by the like key art for this show. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's bad. not, yeah, it's not, enticing it's a it's a bad ad poster so when you like hover over it it kind of gives you the wrong impression even though when you watch the show it actually does make sense mm-hmm. but yeah so just kind of like ignore that look past that it's and a guy it's named a very little dicky sticking out of somebody's underpants so yeah that's what yeah, we're in for here it is a it right. is a visual pun um lowest common denominator humor yeah i think it gives the wrong impression so just a little forewarning yeah uh, okay, my reco is a podcast uh, called Dead Eyes. It is uh, one of my favorite podcasts ever. It's uh, it's still going on. It started last year or maybe, I th- again, I think before the pandemic. But um, it's about this uh, actor-comedian uh, named Connor Ratliff, who's very funny. And he pops up here and there. And you may recognize him. He has bit parts and things here and there. Uh, but when he was fresh out of drama school... He got his big break on Band of Brothers, the Tom Hanks HBO miniseries. And uh, he was really excited and it was like really taking, you know, this is a huge, huge deal for him. He was hired, uh, got paid and got flown out. And then he got a phone call saying, uh, uh, yeah, you know, something happened. We, we need you to re-audition uh, for Tom Hanks. Because I guess he had sent in an audition tape, you know, a video or whatever, and was hired off that. So he goes in, he auditions for Tom Hanks in person. And then later finds out that he was basically fired and someone in the casting director told him, Tom Hanks thinks you have dead eyes. (laughs) And that was 20 years ago. And he has not stopped thinking about it for 20 years. And it's like, (laughs) that is a level hang up. That's so good. It is. He's totally hung up on it. And this podcast is like, investigative journalism as what the <laughs> fuck did Tom Hanks mean when he said I have dead eyes? You know, <laughs> I, I wish this it's was amazing. A YouTube, I wish this was a YouTube show so that we could see his face while he's like, why does he think I got dead eyes? And he clearly like everybody can just see clearly he's got dead eyes. <laughs> or it's like they've superimposed shark's eyes on his face the whole time. And every yeah, time he talks, uh, they roll over white. <laughs> I mean, the thing, like, I'm not even joking. Like it's, it really is like investigative journalism because it, there's so many twists and turns in the story. Like he finds and like every, every episode he interviews somebody. So like eventually he, he ends up interviewing the guy that replaced him in band of brothers. Then he ends That's up interviewing tricky. like his, you know, uh, he can't get the casting director or like any of the band of brothers people on that. Like, they just like refuse and like, good luck with the podcast. We, we, we can't, you know, we're not interested in doing this, but yeah, he finds all these people and then like, it's really famous people. Like, John Hamm and Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen and like on and 
the show is like simultaneously about the story of like tracking down Tom Hanks, I guess. And the other half of it is sort of like celebrities come on and tell stories about rejection uh, of like times that they were fired or like things didn't work out and like kind of working through, you know, how it feels when you're rejected and that sort of stuff in this. So it's just really good. It's like one of the best podcasts. So it's called Dead Eyes. It's amazing. That's my. It sounds great. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on this real quick and recommend the W two ah, the WTF episode of Mark Maron's podcast where he interviews Lauren Michaels, yes, which is his hang good. up, and it it sounds exactly like this, but like the moment of catharsis, and you kind of hear in Mark's voice, like when Lauren kind of explains why he wasn't cast on SNL, and it's just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I I get that, um, but it's it's amazing. Yeah, that was a very good episode. Um. This is, uh, yeah, I, I can see the parallel you're bringing up, like, uh, the the hang-up. Um, Mark Maron is way more neurotic about it. I think Connor Ratliff is way more sort of sober and introspective about it. Um, but anyway, it's very funny, too. And and Connor Ratliff, I've started to follow him work. And he's actually on uh, the show I keep t- recommending to you guys, um, uh, Search Party. And yeah. his, his he plays, like, uh, the husband of, like, a side character. Like, he's barely in it. Anytime he's on screen, he just steals the whole show because he's so fucking funny. And his, his deliveries are amazing. So um, anyway, yeah. Dead hey, Check do you guys out. know how to make a wiki? No. I don't either. But we uh, need a I list of all our rec- jokes set up. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just, I need, no, you put I need a, a list in it. of all, of all of, I need a list of all our records so I have shit to do because, I, we, you know, I'm in the episode. And so you guys say stuff and I forget instantly. I just wish... I wish we had a list. And that will do it for this week's episode of Someone Should Make This. Thanks for listening. You can always tweet at us at, at Make This Podcast, and it would really help us out if you gave us a rating on iTunes. If you have any comments, a game idea of your own, or think one of our ideas already exists, email us at someone should make this podcast at gmail.com. Now someone should make it. Oh, jeez. Oh, I was trying, That's... I was taking a swing. Man, oh, if you man, did that, that was that, a hell of a, hell of a uh, rope dope. Thank you to Mariachi Entertainment System for letting us use their music for our theme song. You can hear more of their music at mariachimes.com. We've done the hard part. Now someone next should week. make it. Chaos reigns. <laughs> <laughs>